Mirrors are interesting things. No matter what, they always tell the truth, right? If you have crazy hair, the mirror is going to tell you. If you have a zit, the mirror is going to tell you. If you look really tired because your kids kept waking you up in the middle of the night, it's going to tell you. Mirrors hold no prejudice. Mirrors don't care about your feelings. Mirrors are going to tell you what you look like for better or for worse. Think about how in Snow White, the mirror tells the queen that she is the fairest of them all until she's not, and Snow White is. And when that happens, the queen doesn't like what the mirror has to say, even though it tells her the truth. So what does she do? She plans a way to get rid of Snow White. She doesn't like what the mirror has to tell her. In other words, she doesn't like the truth. And so she hardens her heart with hatred towards Snow White. Now we don't have mirrors that verbally talk to us, but mirrors do tell the truth. They cannot lie about what they're reflecting. Sometimes that's good, but sometimes we don't like what we see. The gospel reading from Matthew 21 will be the focus, uh, the text for my sermon this morning. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is giving a message of heavy law. He does so by using a parable that is meant to convict and condemn the very people that he is speaking to. So he tells this parable about a landowner who plants a vineyard and rents it out. To, uh, and, and, rents it out. and when it's time to uh, gather the harvest, to collect the wine, he sends servants to collect. Now the tenants, over a period of time, either beat or kill or stone the people that the servant or the owner sends. But then the owner sends his son, assuming, hey, this is, this is my son. They're going to they're gonna respect him. But they don't. Instead, they kill the son, expecting to gain the son's inheritance. And when the owner finds this out, he says that he will bring an end to these tenants. Now, there are several things that this parable is talking about, but one of the main things is the patience of God. You see, throughout Israel's uh, history, God has sent many prophets. Prophets are representatives of God himself. Now, prophets often were not well-liked. Their message was not received, and sometimes people even sought to kill them. But God, the owner of the vineyard, had patience, continuing to send prophets. And he did so for the sake of Israel, right? He did not want to bring them to destruction. In fact, he ultimately does finally send his son. Now, at this point in Matthew's gospel, obviously Jesus has not gone to the cross yet. He is alive and well. So the people that Jesus is talking to, the Pharisees, they could have received this parable as a warning to change their ways. But they didn't. Because listen to the last two verses from our reading. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. So they're realizing, oh yeah, Jesus is talking about us. But then in verse 26, 
This is their response. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they perceived him to be a prophet. So Jesus gave a parable to teach them about their sins. But they didn't listen. They didn't change. They hardened their hearts to his words. They heard God's law, and their response to it was not good. Now, I want to focus specifically on that last part about hearing God's law and responding to it. And I'm going to briefly talk about a fundamental Lutheran theology about God's law. You may even remember this from your days of confirmation. There are three ways that we experience God's law in a sinful and broken world, a.k.a. the three uses of the law. Now, if you remember them and you want to impress those sitting by you, say them with me. The three uses of the law are curb, mirror, and guide. All right, I saw a few of you. That does my heart joy. We're going to just talk about the mirror today. God's law, is used, when it's God's law is used as a mirror, is used to show us our sin. Just like how a mirror reflects and shows you what you really look like, you know, it shows you your faults and blemishes, well, God's law works as a mirror to show us our spiritual blemishes, to show us our sin. So after you have committed a sin, God's law works on your heart as a mirror to bring you to remorse to help you realize, oh man, I've messed up. I have sinned against God. An example would be you get mad and you blow up at your kids. Well, the law working as a mirror helps you to realize that you've done wrong. It brings you to feeling guilt. And the law working as a mirror is ultimately what makes you go and apologize to them. Well, this is just one example for any situation the law working as a mirror is what makes you feel guilty. It what, it's what makes you realize that you have sinned. So back to our reading from Matthew, Jesus has used this parable to present the law to the Jewish leaders because sin was already in their hearts, right? They were already plotting against Jesus. So in this parable, Jesus shows them their spiritual ugliness, their, their sin that was before them like a mirror. They could have listened to Jesus' words as a warning, as a conviction for their sins. But instead, they kind of did like what the queen from Snow White did. They hardened their hearts towards him all the more. When God's law is working as a mirror, it, it seeks to convict a person's heart, but, but really there are two responses that a person can have. And we see this throughout the Bible. We're going to take a look at two well-known examples, one for each outcome. The first comes in Exodus, when God is telling Pharaoh to let his people go. God's word, God's law to Moses is striving to have Pharaoh turn from his ways. But Pharaoh's heart on several occasions is hardened. And, and as a result of his heart being hardened, he refuses to listen to God's word spoken through Moses and Aaron. That's similar to this passage in Matthew. God's word comes to convict, comes to have the hearer's heart change, but they refuse to listen. Their, their hearts are hardened rather than to realize and turn from their sin 
the ugliness of their sin. God's word seeks to soften their hearts so that they might turn towards God, but they rather they harden it. But then we've also seen examples, like in 2 Samuel 12. If you recall, David had just committed adultery with a married woman, Bathsheba, forcing her to sleep with him while her husband was off fighting in David's army. And when she finds out that she's pregnant, David wants to have her husband Uriah sleep with her to, to cover up his sin so that he thinks it's his own child. The only problem is Uriah is a good man and does not want to leave his fellow soldiers on the field to be with his wife. And so David schemes up a plan to have Uriah put at the front of the battle where the, uh, where the battle is fiercest and have everybody draw back so that Uriah is killed. Then God sends prophet Nathan to confront David about his sin. It's actually kind of like, uh, he uses a story that's actually kind of like what a parable does to point out how David had sinned. He tells a story about how there was a rich man who had many, many flock and, and cattle and livestock, and how there was a poor man who had one ewe lamb. And it was actually kind of treated like a member of the family. And the rich man had a traveler come from out of town, and instead of taking his one of his many livestock, he took and killed the poor man's lamb and fed it to his guest. And when Nathan has David furious over this injustice, Nathan tells David, you are the man. He tells David that this story is about what he has done. But unlike with Pharaoh, unlike with the Pharisees, David listened to God's word of law to him. God's law crushed him to make him realize that he had sinned. The mirror was before David showing the pure ugliness of his sin. And in David's remorse and sorrow, he goes on to write Psalm 51, one of the most well-known psalms. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. That is the response. That is the correct response. Truthfully, that response should be the kind of response that we have more often. God, I have sinned. I am sorry that I have sinned against you. Please don't give up on me. Keep working in me to do better. And that is the goal when we think about the second use of the law. God's law is working on our hearts to crush us with the weight of our ugly sin, to make us feel guilt over our sin. When we have strayed from God's will, when we have sinned against God's perfect will, God uses his law as a mirror to show us our sin. But God's goal is not to leave us crushed. It's not to leave us feeling down in the dumps like we're an awful person. Listen to what Job says in Job chapter 5. Blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. 
He crushes us with the law so that we understand our sin. But then once we're crushed by our sin and we repent, we turn from our sins and confess them, he heals us. He restores us and builds us up with the good news of the gospel. The good news that though we have sinned, though we continue to sin, Jesus' death on the cross forgives our very worst sins. God's law working on our hearts is the only way we can understand that we have sinned against God. And it is only through understanding and repentance that we can receive forgiveness. God uses his law to bring about remorse and repentance so that we can turn from our sin and receive that forgiveness. But as we've seen with both with Pharaoh and the Pharisees, God's law can leave a heart hardened. So how do we strive to be more like David than the, Pharaoh, uh, than the Pharisees and Pharaoh? Well, I think there's a level of humility that's involved, right? When, when God or when somebody tells you that you have sinned, what's your reaction? Is your reaction to get defensive and say, no, I, I didn't do it? Or do you hear what God is saying? But I think the biggest factor is understanding that when God chastises you, when God convicts you with his law, it is to bring about good, right? It's to bring about correction, to bring you back into a right relationship with him. Now, I'm not saying that when we feel guilt and when we feel God's law heavy upon us, that we should just be skipping around and singing. It's not what I'm saying, what I am saying is that we should understand that God, who is our loving Father, is using it for our benefit. He uses his law to bring repentance, to receive the forgiveness of our sins, and to be in line with his will. Do not despise God's discipline. He disciplines those whom he loves. When the mirror shows you your ugly sin, don't turn away from it. Don't try to convince yourself, oh, it's, it's not that bad. Do not harden your heart when he uses his law to convict you. Have a heart of humility, a heart that receives it and repents of your sin. That is a heart that receives forgiveness. Thank God for his law that, can, that pursues us. Even when we continually sin, his law continues to pursue us. And right behind that law is the sweet, sweet message of the gospel. Thank God for his law and the good news of the gospel. And because of what Jesus has done for you, when God looks at you, he doesn't see what you see in the mirror. He sees the sun. He sees the righteousness of Jesus, not your sinfulness. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for your law. Your law that, that helps to guide us and, and brings us back on the right track, but also convicts us when we have strayed from your, your, uh, from your will, when we have sinned. God, help us to love your law and hate our sin. Help us to seek to follow your will and repent when we have sinned against you. God, create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Cast us not away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. In Jesus' name we pray.
I invite you to stand as we continue with our next song.